Hello and welcome everybody. This is Wildstorm Addiction, episode number 43 for February 2013. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe David Solis. And this month we will be discussing Stormwatch 16, Grifter 16, Ravagers number 8, and Team 7 number 4, as well as some other Wildstorm appearances in the DCU New 52. everybody that we do spoil these issues however you guys should be reading them since a lot of them are ending <laughs> story of our lives i kind of paused there for a second on ravagers number eight because on a side note i did one of the most idiotic things this week as i went to go pick up all my books i thought that ravagers was a 16 issue as well so i'm like why are there only eight issues out on the racks and I actually asked for them to do a search for me for Ravagers number 16, if you can believe it or not. And then I had to go back to the comic book store the next day with my tail between my legs and be like, yeah, I'm an idiot. You can take that search off. That book doesn't exist for, you know, another six months or so. <laughs> well, shame on the employee for not figuring out either. I mean, not that they have to know every single title that's out there, but come on. <laughs> right. No, I'm just an idiot. I just realized i was in 16 months 16 month and now you know next month we're really only going to have one title that is a 17 which is kind of crazy yep anyways let me uh go into the news always fun stuff here up first we have WizKids was very generous to wildstorm fans over the holidays that was no joke joe was putting out news releases all over the place not only did we get news of Gen 13 Heroclix, but we're also getting a Ravagers Heroclix set with three more Wildcats figures, including Spartan, Void, and Amp. And those actually came out of the uh, Batman Streets of Gotham set. Uh, which, quick side note, you can actually order the Ravagers one uh, already. I just put in my order at DCBS, and it's 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 a standalone pack, so you don't have to like go searching for them uh, through packs or on eBay. So that'll make it a lot easier for that one. Sweet, yeah, and you can check out all those uh, articles that we put out on the news section of our website for more details, so you can see some pictures and things. Um, apparently, that Gen 13 and Ravager set was announced back in October, and we just kind of missed it. But you know, we're not perfect. <laughs> my, I always say my hero clicks guy let me down he's supposed to tell me as soon as he finds that stuff out <laughs> uh, still a rumor but Bleeding Cool reports that Jim Lee will do a Wildcats title after his Man of Steel title with Scott Snyder ends um, this means that it won't be released until 2014 he'll need to you know work up and get a, a bunch of issues under his belt before they you know officially announce and decide to release it that way he's he's not going to run behind. Yeah, apparently that's what they're doing with Man of Steel, because technically it still hasn't been announced. I'm assuming it'll be May, since we're losing uh, DC Comics Presents and iVampire in April. So that should be one of the replacement titles. Speaking of April, all the new 52 issues will have fold-out covers. The solicits only show the front cover, and each fold-out is supposed to reveal something shocking. For lack of a better term, inside the DC compound, you know, they've been referring these to these covers affectionately as the WTF covers. Yeah. <laughs> but we have some examples of what this may be. So Team 7 number 7 shows Grifter and Deathstroke in his modern costume and Black Canary firing at something off screen. So... Um, the issue also promises a new team member who is making their new 52 debut. So obviously when you fold out that cover, we'll see who Black Canary is firing at. Uh, Ravagers 11 has a similar cover with the team fighting something off screen and also has a cover by veteran artist Michael Golden. Stormwatch 19 does not have a final cover yet. But one noteworthy bit of news about this issue is that the veteran artist, uh, writer Jim Starlin, will be taking over Stormwatch with Vel Goche. <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> Starlin will provide art for the fold-out cover. 
Wow. We always have the best names to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and our final bit of news this month, which is old school Wildstorm related and really doesn't have anything to do with the Wildstorm universe per se, but just the imprint that imploded over a year ago, which is the trailer for Red 2 uh, went out online on comingsoon.net. Uh, well, it'd be a few weeks old by the time you listen to this, but definitely go check it out. This is the sequel to the 2010 movie, which was the adaptation of the Wildstorm miniseries of the same name by Warren Ellis and Cully Hamner. So it's pretty epic. You guys need to go check that out. And you can also listen to an interview of Warren Ellis, um, which he talks a little bit about the filming of Red 2 and, and Red in general um, on the Nerdist podcast. Yeah, I was kind of hesitant to put that in the news since you were going to read it, because I know that's kind of a sore spot, because the last time Red was out was when Wildstorm was going out. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have them back, so I can't really complain. Well, we have them back in weird odd ways but hey yeah we're gonna have lots of discussion about that tonight so i i think i'm gonna whichever issues i've got i'm purposely gonna go through as quick as i can because i think we have a lot of stuff to discuss about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh less on the actual blow by blow more on the uh wtf part of it yeah so we'll go ahead and start off here with uh, Stormwatch number 16, which was released on January the 9th. It's written by Peter Milligan with art and cover by Will Conrad. This is the uh, continuation of the, the Harry Tanner storyline where he has posed as a Shadow Lord and has infiltrated Stormwatch. And last issue, the only one who figured it out that we had a long discussion about was Midnighter. And uh, he up and grabbed uh, the projectionist, and they escaped into the Arctic. And uh, here we open up right where we left off, where Harry Tanner and uh, the engineer are still out in the Arctic looking, and so is a very angry Apollo. <laughs> so, uh, so while they're out there doing that, uh, back on the Eye of the Storm, uh, Jenny is uh, picking up some sort of disturbance that she finds is a wormhole, and she finds a person is trapped inside of it, and we'll find out soon who that is. Uh, back in the Antarctic, this one threw me off a little, the way that it was set up. I didn't go back and look at the other issue, but um, it looks like the projectionist is trying to get away, and then all of a sudden Midnighter confronts her, and so that was kind of awkward. I, I, I don't remember them being separated last issue. Do you? No, no, not at all. I thought it was odd. But like I said, I didn't even bother to go back and look last issue. But and and uh, next thing you know, Apollo shows up and starts ripping at uh, Midnighter's clothes and just prepares to beat the crap out of him because he still believes that uh, Midnighter betrayed the team. And so, meanwhile, while they're beating the snot out of each other, um, Harry Tanner and the engineer are out elsewhere looking, and uh, Harry says something. Uh, that reminds that reminds her of Harry, I guess you could say, <laughs> a conversation that they had a while back when they were in a relationship. And so she starts wondering if what Midnighter was saying about this being uh, the Shadow Lord being Harry was true or not. And uh, so they finally catch up with the situation with Apollo beating the crap out of Midnighter. And, and um, so they uh, take them all back to the Eye of the Storm where... I guess they want to have a, a ceremonious killing of Midnighter. <laughs> they could have just done it down in the Ar- Antarctic, but so they bring him up here, and you know Harry Tanner makes his little speech about uh, how long he's been with the, how long the Shadow Lords have controlled Stormwatch, and so on and so forth. And he's about to kill Midnighter, and then Apollo has a change of heart and jumps in front of the blast. And um, this should have tipped him off that uh, he's not a real Shadow Lord because I, I don't know, that I, I've got the sense they were really powerful, so I mean even though it's Apollo, you would think that that would have killed him don't you? Yeah, there was a lot weird going on in this issue so <laughs> who's to know really? <laughs> but Apollo survives the blast and uh, in the middle of all that, Jenny uh, shows up with the wormhole in tow and uh, from the wormhole she pulls out uh, the fox who um, basically blows Harry's cover, and and here is where 
they all finally believe Midnighter and and are about to move on Harry. And then, as they seem to be getting the upper hand on on Harry, the engineer apparently decides to to take Harry's side. And and so this is kind of this this is supposed to be shocking, but for some reason, I don't know if it if it's it's not that not that I saw it coming, but I guess they set up so much with her being infected by the hidden people and all that, that it wasn't that much of a surprise that she turned against them all, and uh, basically is able to take out everyone. And um, so Midnighter decides that, uh, that the odds are against them, I guess, and decides to grab Apollo and take off out into the uh, to hyperspace. And uh, once they're in hyperspace, he quickly tries to revive Apollo so that he can help them. But I'm not sure what he expects Apollo to do, because they're in hyperspace. So <laughs> I'd be curious to see how he expects Apollo to save them now that they're already out there. But uh, that's the gist of this issue. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it was okay, but a lot of this stuff, and I don't know if it's because, um, if it's because Milligan knew that he was going to leave a few issues later and maybe they were wanting to hurry up and establish Engineer as a bad guy, I'm not sure. But after so much build-up for the Harry Tanner story, it just seemed like this is all getting resolved way too quickly. I mean, that's how it seemed to me. What about you, Ben? No, I, I completely agree. I thought it was going to feel way more epic than this, and it really just kind of falls flat. Um, you know, the whole time we've been reading all these titles i'm like well stormwatch is still in the lead it's still the best thing to read and i think i even have even said that the last couple months but now that grifter has totally just become a turd and is now gone um you can see ravagers and team seven start starting to pull away and becoming the better of the titles that are left over and Stormwatch is starting to just completely fall apart and it's kind of a shame because it started out pretty strong and it had some good ideas behind it and you know to see what they've you know are starting to unravel here with with Harry Tanner I thought it was going just gonna feel so much more epic than it than this it just uh, it's kind of disappointing to be honest and there were a lot of really goofy I don't know if there were art mistakes or just character issues in this. Oh, you mean like the like the word Earth appearing on the Earth when they jump out into hyperspace? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, not only that, but like, you know, I know that a lot of people are getting annoyed at Apollo saying Halo Effect, and I kind of agree. Like, what's the point of it? Calling I mean, out your attacks. <laughs> this is not Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Or Street Fighter. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It just it feels it feels a lot clunkier than it has. You know, it's it's this title has felt the strongest throughout the entire run until the last three or so issues. It just has. You know, I kept saying that it's the best, but that's only because you put it next to Grifter, and it is the best. <laughs> well, I mean, there was a time when it was. I mean, these stories were really intriguing, and, and this whole setup about Harry Tanner, I mean, God, that's been going on forever, you know? <laughs> and uh, right. so it's just the payoff just wasn't as big as we were hoping, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of sad. But uh, uh, that's why I think them bringing Jim Starlin on is I think Chris Stryker talked about it on the boards. It's like it's the Hail Mary basically for this title. It's like with Jim Starlin, you know, he's, I mean, he's the one who did the Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, all these like cosmic stories. I mean, if, if he can't get people excited about Stormwatch, which, you know, can easily play off of that, then, then the title's not going to survive, you know? So I'm just hoping that uh, people will jump on when he comes on in April. Well, I'm really hoping that, you know, he really does something useful with Jack Hawksmore and Jenny Quantum because really those two have had nothing to do this entire run, basically. You know, Jenny would make up random stuff throughout the whole the whole time we've we've been with her and we've gotten to see her grow a little bit and learn a lot of cool things, but what has she really done that 
you know, they've been able to explain away or just randomly she got lucky and found things like pulling the fox out of a wormhole that just happened to appear in front of her. Who knows? But uh, when we got to first learn about Jack's new powers in the DCU, totally different take on his character in the Wildstorm universe. And he was kind of, he was kind of the jerk in the Wildstorm universe that Angie has become in the DCU. Well, we know that her attitude is kind of goofy right now because of the devolver, but that, that was kind of how Jack Hawksmore was in the, the old Wildstorm universe. And now, you know, him being in this universe, he has some really cool powers that they've introduced and they've done nothing with it. You know, after the, the first couple arcs, we haven't gotten to see him at all. And I really, really like what they did with his character and I'd like to see more. Yep. Hopefully they'll do something cool. I mean, I really don't have much else to say about this issue, but I do have a lot to say about the next issue. So why don't you take us there? (laughs) All right. Well, we get a, a pretty epic cover here, but, uh, Grifter 16 released on January 16th, written by Frank Thierry and art by Marat Michaels and covered by Scott Clark. I'm really going to miss Scott Clark on this title or at all, really. Um, But we have like a weird montage uh, cover that tries to, you know, cover everything that happened in Grifter in the DCU with Hellspawn and Midnighter and and all of that. So we open on some lions in a lion cage because they're at the zoo. And in case you didn't know, there's, you know, zoo in really big, bold letters at the top panel, which is hilarious. Doesn't really matter, I guess. But, um, (laughs) uh, Grifter is kind of reminiscing about everything that went on and how much he loves the zoo because it's so simple. I never knew that about Grifter. He's a, a zoo zoologist guy and oh, then we go into the uh everything that happened to me kind of pull it all back into perspective i really wish i had a cool uh soundtrack uh montage sequence here but it is a pretty nice spread this is probably what they spent the most time on in the entire issue but um death blow looks like he's maybe 14 and <laughs> A <laughs> couple of the shots are lifted from previous issues and they kind of just put it all together here. Um, but we'll, we'll skip past that and actually uh, go into what was unfolding in this issue, which uh, this was really a meeting spot for Grifter and his uh, companion Warwick here, who he met over the last couple issues. Um, and was trying to recruit Grifter and, and, you know, go after the Daemonites. And, uh, I don't know why they chose the zoo here. I guess they wanted to meet in public, but then Grifter immediately, you know, pulls out a pistol and starts firing shots to get everybody scattered away. Kind of weird. I thought at least. You know, basically Grifter called this because he wanted Warwick to fess up and, you know, after what he learned about Warwick in the last issue, which that, you know, he was also created by the Daemonites. So he wanted uh, Warwick to come out and tell Grifter that to his face without lying. And uh, that's basically what this is. And he does some background that, you know, they were both created by the Daemonites and they were both meant to be secret weapons bred by the Daemonites to help fight against Hellspawn. Warwick basically has been searching out for one of the crossbreeds that actually didn't fail and I guess the chosen one which is Grifter and he was excited that he actually found him and was basically trying to recruit him and then you know uh, I I have such a hard time with this. This is just <laughs> so you can do it because because <laughs> I'm gonna come I'm gonna come behind not... you with a, a backup play and, and help you out with this. So just keep going, keep running. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, anyways, you know, Warwick just really wants Grifter to spread the message against the Daemonites here, and um, Grifter's not buying it, and he just doesn't want to have anything to do with them anymore. He's basically done at this point you know and 
and uh, <laughs> you know, Warwick doesn't believe. I mean, Grifter doesn't believe anything that Warwick says, and can't believe that he made it. You know, out of the insane ward and everything. And uh, you know, Warwick decides to like treat this little young punk and uh, lay some smackdown on him. And Grifter's like, "All right, you want to play it that way?" And they get into another fight. Shocking. They couldn't just have a regular uh, old conversation here. And uh, they go into one of the uh, zoo rooms. And I guess it's the reptile room. Because Warwick throws a big boa constrictor python at him or something like that. And I'm kind of wondering, does Warwick have TK abilities here as well? Because somehow he's getting all these animals released pretty easily. That's my guess, anyways. So, Grifter grabs it and throws the snake back at Warwick, and then he realizes that there's a alligator right in front of him. <laughs> and he's like, wow, that's kind of big, but uh, we'll try this as well. And he throws a crocodile right back at Warwick. <laughs> and Warwick stabs it and kills it. And then Grifter throws Warwick with his TK ability, and they make it out of the reptile room and onto a cage of uh, lions again, I guess. And they're fighting on top of the cage. And Grifter uses his TK ability to have Warwick punch himself in the face. Yeah, nothing, nothing like uh, going down to like you know little kids on a playground and you know older, bigger, stronger kid making the younger kid punch himself in the face several times. So At least he didn't... I was waiting for him to yell out, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. <laughs> right, nothing nothing that you haven't done to your little sister or little brother or cousins or whatnot. And then they're over top of a cage of polar bears and Grifter has Warwick by the throat and Warwick's telling him to do it. Um... You know, and, you know, maybe you'll only get back into this if I'm not here to play coach anymore. And basically what happens, Amanda Waller and her team shows up and kind of spooks Grifter a little bit. And she's really just going after Warwick, you know, because of the cult that he's been running uh, to go after the Daemonites. And Warwick basically sacrifices himself here to the... uh, the polar bear cage and Grifter's really torn about this and I'm not really sure why because it's ridiculous and he thinks Warwick is ridiculous but all of a sudden this is what does it for him. His brother only a little bit got over that right away kind of but Warwick devastates him apparently and uh, after that he goes to a graveside and I assume this is Warwick's graveside not really sure here. It's not his brother's, I don't think. Not Warwick's. And uh, he, you know, says, you know, I might take this up. I might take up his resistance movement that he's created, but uh, not until I get some uh, cold cash time and, and relaxation. And that's that's pretty much it. So really heartbroken over this guy that he think, thinks is crazy and just fought. To the yeah, but there's still two more pages left. Oh, don't let me do it. <laughs> then we go over to elsewhere, and we're in a Daemonite compound or ship or or something like that. And Hellspawn ship. Yes, and and we have one of his uh, henchmen basically reporting back to Hellspawn, telling him that Warwick's dead, and at least one of his thorns is removed by Grifter. Hellspawn's basically saying that, you know, someday soon they'll see Grifter again and whether they'll use him to uh, further his gains or not or against him will be to be determined, basically. Anything else you want to add to that? (laughs) Yes, I want to play Let's Make All This Make Sense. (laughs) (laughs) I want to play Gouge My Eyes Out. This... This happened to be the best-looking issue over the past three or four, but still fairly terrible. Sorry. Okay. Here's how I understand it all from issue one. (laughs) Oh, uh, you're you're really going to try to tie all this together? Yes. Yes. Ready? (laughs) Do you need to take a drink first? (laughs) I am. (laughs) 
Okay. Sometime after Team 7. <laughs> oh, man. Is when Warwick was created with his group of people. And then his group of people is all slaughtered by Hellspawn. Warwick survives. The Daemonites keep making hybrids, which I would include Voodoo in this group somewhere. Because this, if I remember right, the group that made Voodoo was the group of Daemonites that were against Hellspawn, I think. I'd have to go back and reread that, but I'm pretty sure. But the group of Daemonites, and they really need a name for their group. <laughs> it's like the anti-Hellspawn Daemonites. <laughs> the Daemonettes. Yeah. But they create Grifter, and he's successful. So they keep trying to use him against Hellspawn. But Warwick apparently keeps getting in the way, and they keep messing with Grifter's mind, and that's why all that mess we saw in Zero, you know, kind of, I mean, Grifter's head is all messed up. So, after that, I guess in issue one, what I what I take from issue one now is that when they had him in the uh, in the tube, or they had the Daemonite in the tube, and it looked like they were gonna, I don't know, implant it or possess it, because apparently Daemonite possession is not as easy in this world as it was in the other one. But I took it to mean finally, okay, so they were trying to possess him with a Daemonite to finally get him under control. Because that's the only time that I've seen them try that. The other times they've just been observing him. Now, which faction that was, I don't know. That's what gets confusing about this, is which faction has Grifter at what time. Because apparently both factions mess with him. Because even Hellspawn at the end of, what was it, no, 12? What was the one where he had the epic battle with Hellspawn? Really don't even care. (laughs) Honestly, I think you're trying way too hard. I mean... And I'm just going with the information that's here, and you know, oh, it's kind of, I understand. It's, it's kind of it's kind of one of those. Once it's in print, you know, yeah. I mean, this is only 16 issues. I've heard people try to argue, you know, years and years of comic continuity, <laughs> which is the original reason for the New 52. <laughs> right, and his you know slushy memory goofiness is to explain away really terrible writing and editorial changes and writer changes and which is a good segue to what i was going to bring up next (laughs) uh if all of you guys are listening have not gone to image addiction uh dot net and downloaded uh talking about our issues episode seven which is a a interview with rob liefeld you need to go listen to that (laughs) because for as much as he you know says that I believe him, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I don't believe. (laughs) But his basic gist is exactly what Ben said, that it's a lot of editorial interference. And that was evident in this title the whole time. And what added strength to it, which I don't know if you got my email, but was a, a, uh, uh, a latest article at Bleeding Cool that talked about uh, that the DC editorial office is in chaos right now. And basically the guy at Bleeding Cool went through all the reasons why. And he covered a lot of the same stuff that Liefeld complained about. And I get what he's saying. I understand, you know, if you have an editor over you and he's telling you certain things, fine. You know, you got to do them. Like apparently, one thing I didn't realize, I don't know if you noticed it, but the reason that they changed uh, Shesher's name to Nico is because apparently it came from Dan DiDio to tell him to do that because he didn't want Cheshire in this title. <laughs> so <laughs> so there's little things like that. Oh, and the fact that um, when he first got the trio of titles, Hawkman, Deathstroke, and Grifter, that he wanted Zealot in Grifter. It was, that was supposed to be where Nico was. But they told him no, that they were going to use Zealot in Earth 2, which at the time he didn't know what that was because it hadn't been announced yet. And then later, when he, they found out his story, they wanted to do with, with Deathstroke and Lobo, and he had the other group, the group of aliens, which was the Omega. They're like, "Hey, you know what? Zealot's an alien. You can use her." <laughs> oh my god! And he's like, "So I can use Zealot for Deathstroke?" They're like, "But can I use her in Grifter now? Since you're giving it back to me, like, no, you got to use her in Deathstroke." Okay, fine. So all that I believe because that that is evident by the way that everything that came out. Well, it's evident in what you could see with what was going on with Gail Simone and, you know, Dave Beatty made it, you know, pretty clear that it was 
kind of going on like that as well. I mean, yeah, you have shitty management, you're going to have shitty comics. So, you know, yeah. you know, when they started the gear up for the new 52 and they put so much emphasis on Grifter and, you know, they were saying they wanted him to do so well and he was a keystone to the new 52 and, you know, plucking him out of the wild storm and everybody recognizes him and, you know, they wanted him to do very well. Well, they really gave crap to him for that title to do well if they really... You know, wanted to get something out of him. Why? Why do all these busts and awesome figures and stuff for him if you're just gonna kill his title? What's the point of that? It's garbage. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite characters, and they just destroyed it. Yeah, but we get some redemption later with Team Seven, but we'll get to that later. But, but yeah, that that's definitely the thing, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy because nowadays with so much information available and everything. You know, uh, for them to think that the fans are not going to find out that that's what's going on behind closed doors, then they're that's uh, they're being ignorant in that sense if that's what they really think. You know, yeah, uh, they really are. It's it's stupid. Fans are much more savvy nowadays. You know, and and they're only going to put up with so much for so long, and they wonder why they can't get the sales up. You know. So, but yeah, it's just crazy because of one other th- quick thing, and then I'll move on to Ravagers, but they mentioned that that's why you haven't heard anything about Trinity War, because apparently, according to him, that they're in the fourth incarnation of that story right now, and they still haven't solidified it. <laughs> so, it was teased almost a year ago now. You know, in May, if we come up a day, it'll be a year. And haven't heard anything in months about it, so... It's just scary, you know, to, to to see all these characters in the hands of, of people that can't work together is what it really seems like, you know. You know what is doing very well right now? Hmm. Uh, creators that either aren't very well known or have some some things under their belt that decide to do something else on their own. So, Walking Dead, Chew... You know, there's a lot of stuff out there that has done amazingly. You know, there was an issue of Chew Number One this week that just went for twelve hundred bucks on eBay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. It's just you know, and some of the Walking Dead issues have gone for a thousand or two. I mean, it's insane. But the fact that they can't do anything with these classic characters. I mean, I don't understand what the heck they're doing, honestly. Well, thankfully, out of all this, uh, the next two titles we're going to talk about did come out with some pretty good issues this month. So they really there's, did. There's, so there is still hope. So let's go ahead and move on to Ravagers number eight, which is uh, which was released on the sixteenth of January, written by uh, newcomer, or well, not newcomer, but new to the title. Uh, writer Michael Allen Nelson with art by Ig Guara and cover by Patrick Gleason. And honestly, the cover was the only thing I had a complaint about because I just didn't like it. <laughs> but other than that, the rest of the issue was great. Uh, Michael Allen Nelson picked a very smart, I guess smart and kind of gutsy at the same time, uh, idea with this issue, which was he was going to focus on Warblade and Rose Wilson uh, we don't even get the Ravagers till the very end, <laughs> you know? So I think it allowed him to ease into this title. I'm, I'm hesitant to say that it's a good jumping on point. I think the next issue will really show whether or not that's true. Uh, I think you can definitely read it and enjoy it as is. So maybe, maybe it will turn out to be a good jumping on point, which is, which is always the right thing to do when you bring a new re- uh, writer on. But um, we basically open up in a small uh, Colorado town, and we start off with something here that kind of reminded me almost like of 30 Days of Night. You know, you got the small town sheriff, and it's got the daughter who who's rebellious and not wanting to listen, always trying to get out and run away. And in the middle of this little family quarrel between uh, the sheriff and his daughter and also his son, uh, we have a battle going on in the small town between Rose and Warblade and this um, 
escaped um, Ravager named Adam, who apparently his body just is leeching out all this energy, and uh, it finally just becomes too much, and there's an explosion in the middle of the town, and apparently the explosion sends a shockwave of radiation that affects uh, all the the townspeople. I'm going to stop for a second with this big splash page with the explosion. You know, because we talk about artists when we really like... I mean, I've seen uh, Iguara's art when he did a few issues of Teen Titans that when I was still following that title. But I love the detail in this, and he does this throughout the whole issue because we get a lot of citizens that just kind of come in and out of the story and and serve their purpose, but not necessarily overall important. But I love just how, I love this dude on the couch here, asleep, got his belt and buckles, you know, the, the <laughs> wife beater. I just, just all the little details like that. I always appreciate when an artist does stuff like that. And uh, we get a, we get a really good sampling of, of Rose and Warblade in this issue. And I read in an interview that uh, Michael and Nelson really enjoyed writing Warblade, and you can tell because he just has a lot of fun here. I mean, we were talking about how we didn't mind Warblade as a villain, and he's just having fun with that here, you know, that uh, the sheriff's trying to get him to stop what they're doing, and, you know, Warblade's always, you know, two steps away from just killing the sheriff, but Rose, who has taken kind of a... Um, interesting personality turn here where she was kind of being soft and not letting Warblade kill anybody and I was kind of thrown off by that at first but thankfully later Warblade himself addresses it in the story so I don't know if uh, I don't know what Mike Allen Nelson's doing with Rose but because that's definitely not the way she's been portrayed so far but uh, if he has a purpose to to her acting that way, it'd be interesting because she justifies it that she doesn't want to piss off Harvest basically by killing an entire town and bringing the entirety of the superhero community on them. So, uh, but uh, in the midst of this, they go back and forth between Rose and Warblade dealing with uh, what to do about the town. They have to quarantine it now, and then you've got the the sheriff's son and daughter trying to get out of town and. And then we end up with the sad situation of uh, of Murray and Gilda, <laughs> <laughs> and this is just one of those that, like, you know, they're they're only on panel for a couple of pages, and it's just to show that you know Murray's one of the one of the first victims of the the radiation leak, and his body basically does exactly what Adam's body did. It just he starts, you know, releasing all this energy, and he just, his body can't take it. And uh, you know, he's yelling for his wife, and finally he just explodes. And you know, they have a moment there where you know, the wife is blaming Warblade and Rose for it. And so it's 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 some pretty cool stuff. I mean, I think the strength of of this issue is all the reactions that the that the the citizens are having. To what's going on here? All the you know this, ex, uh, you know ex, extraordinary events unfolding before they're in their little town, which you know because I'm from a small town, so you know any anything that happens is is exciting, <laughs> and this is something <laughs> I'm sure doesn't happen to them every day. But yeah, as we move along, like I said, there's more examples of Rose getting Warblade to help, you know, save some some kids from a building that was going to explode, and calling her out about it, and. She's still trying to justify it until finally uh, Rose herself starts to uh, release the same energy. So she's uh, uh, at a loss what to do now because uh, she she's about to explode herself. But before they can even decide what to do, then the Ravagers finally show up on the last page. And uh, and then that's to be continued, of course. But So, I mean, just overall... I said just a really it was really gutsy to to just grab a couple of the villains and focus on them for an issue but I'm actually glad that again like we're talking about editorial I'm glad they let him do this because uh you know Ravagers has been pretty pretty good all the way through it's been pretty solid but this one was just the most uh had the most characterization I think um 
especially since you brought in so many, you know, human characters to kind of come in and out of this story just just for this one issue and we'll see how relevant they stay and you know, Iguara's art is perfect for this title. I mean, he's he was drawing Teen Titans, so for him to jump on another teen book here, it's it's a perfect fit. So I uh, so far I think that this is a great creative team for this book and I hope that it uh, pulls it out because I know that uh, this one's another one that's suffering in sales too so <laughs> anyway what do you think Ben? This issue was a huge breath of fresh air. Oh my goodness I can't even begin. That Ravagers had started to get repetitive for me um, especially with what happened in the last couple issues I felt like you know they were constantly you know moaning about you know, all their kid troubles and stuff like that. And I understand these kids have been through hell. Don't get me wrong. I I understand they're running for their lives. You know, they keep getting hit with the craziest, you know, people to fight and things like that. But I, you know, followed up on the last couple issues of Legion Lost because they were in that and it just seemed so repetitive and them jumping over New York and back you know, cross country several times just wasn't doing anything for me. And for them to totally shift gears and focus on Rose and Warblade was just such a great idea because I needed a break from the Ravagers. I really, really did. And I got all excited when I opened up this issue and the first page I was like, is that Roxy from Gen 13? She has purple hair. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought that for a second, too. Would have been such a perfect opportunity, too, because oh. she makes a comment about possibly having powers herself. We'll find out. <laughs> I got so excited, but, you know, I, I can let that go. That That's probably not her, but I did get excited for a second. Anyways, <laughs> no, this this was a great issue. Oh, man, I was so happy to just have a nice one-off, something completely different. And it is great when you get an issue that can tell you so much about an event that happened. And it's one issue. Like, I had to, like, go through and, like, count the page pages. I'm like, really? Like, if this was Grifter, it would have been drawn out into, like, seven issues, and it would have been so slow and boring. Even if this was three issues, think about this storyline in three issues. You would have been like, okay, and then, and then, like, you can kind of, like, see what's going to happen. So just tell me what's going to happen instead of, like, dragging it out forever. Oh, it was awesome. I really, really enjoyed this issue. And, you know, I know that they'll bounce off of this and probably start a longer arc from here. But this was a great way to transition a new creative team. And I am stoked about the Ravagers once again. How about that, Michael Allen Nelson? Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I was really wondering if this was going to be the top title this month i i'm i'm kind of torn because team seven number four was pretty good too and it released on january 16th written by justin jordan with art by jesus marino and cover by tyler kirkham oh so did you i'm sorry if i cut you off did you have anything else to go on the ravagers before i start into team seven Oh, no, I am so ready for Team 7. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good, good. My segue worked. <laughs> so um, here we are. We get uh, right into the issue uh, with Deathstroke being taken over by Eclipso. So he has all the awesome tats. He has some sweet headgear on, and he looks like he's ready to do some damage. And uh, all of Team 7's behind him, and Grifter's like, yep, this is Eclipso. It's going to be bad. (laughs) And basically, you know, we have a big epic battle between Destro Eclipso. I don't... (laughs) How do you want to... How do you want (laughs) to name him? It's it's Eclipso. (laughs) (laughs) He's in there somewhere, so we'll just call him Eclipso just to make it easy. Um, And they're like, uh, well, should we shoot him? And Fairchild's like, 
let's do this, and they all unleash on, on Eclipso, and obviously none of their bullets do anything, and they don't hurt him at all, but it's fun nonetheless. The only one that can really do any damage, or at least throw him off track, is Essence, who is the, uh, the spirit being of the island that we met in the last issue. So, uh, Waller tells everybody to fall back and let Essence do her thing and, and kind of, uh, take care of Eclipso for a second while they regroup. (laughs) But even still, Grifter, you know, kind of has to get his, uh, one shot in there and, and nail him in the side of the head just to get his attention and, and draw him off guard. You know, Grifter's funny like that. And, you know, to continue, and I'm sure... Joe, that you would jump in and, and tell me this, but Justin Jordan is doing Grifter right out of anybody that's written him so far. I think that could be the consensus across the board. It's funny you say that. I actually have a recording of the day that I read this issue. I want to play that for you real quick, okay? Let me just set this up here. Go for it. Hold on. Yes, yes, this is how you write Grifter. Thank you, Justin Jordan. <laughs> that is awesome. So yeah, some so I just recorded that for posterity. So <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't do that live. <laughs> no, no, I wanted to catch the raw emotion the day that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I completely agree with you. Wow, you're really ready for that. That's awesome. <laughs> Yes, I was literally jumping up for joy oh. when we get, and I'll, I'll tell you the scene later which one it is, but no. you're almost there. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, Eclipso buys it, and he, he, he turns his attention towards Grifter, and he's like, all right, let's go, Con Man. What do you got for me? Basically, Grifter draws him into a, uh, a landmine, I guess. I mean, Grifter kind of realized what was going on you know, his surroundings, he was paying attention to where the bombs were. (laughs) Um, And really, this just stuns Eclipso. It doesn't really do much to him at all. But it it does get him to pause for a second, and all the spirits of the island are able to kind of uh, surround Eclipso at this point. Yeah, and that was the redeeming moment for Grifter for me right there. I was like, yes, this is Grifter right here. This is exactly what he would do. Because <laughs> I was so ready for him to get killed here. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you shooting at Eclipse with a gun? <laughs> but then, you know, he pulled something out of his out of his butt like he always does. And that's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, now that Eclipse is kind of tied up for the time being, you know, the Waller's got the group uh, kind of... Uh, resetting so to speak and essence shows up and uh she you know looked like she got taken out by eclipso but basically she's saying no i'm not dead but i'm diminished you know my powers are are hit a little bit from from what was going on you know he was a lot more powerful than i than i thought he would be basically but um you know we have to do what's necessary to to get him back into uh his prison basically you know the island was created to imprison him and you know obviously he was able to escape the island so we they need to do something to contain him again and she whips out this big black diamond from nowhere basically i don't know where she comes up with this black diamond but anyways she she gives it to the the group here and they have to figure out a way to contain him in it i guess and uh, yeah that's where he was trapped in remember that's when deathstroke went and touched it and released him right right and it was much too easy for him to get out of it obviously (laughs) (laughs) they they have to have like a code on that black diamond or something i mean just touching it really well they figured that all the other crap you have to get through to get past the island was bad enough so (laughs) ah come on we have superheroes all over the place anybody can get to that (laughs) piece of cake anyway so eclipso finally regroups gets through all the spirits and uh he's like hey where's my diamond yo (laughs) and waller's like uh give them everything and you know they they all whip out their biggest 
weaponry and he's kind of laughing. He's like, I thought you guys would learn something, you know, last time your bullets didn't work. And uh, no mortal weapon can harm me, all that good stuff. And he takes Waller by a chokehold. And as he does that, Fairchild, who really in the traditional Wildstorm universe didn't get to do very much. But here, he gets to kill Eclipso with, like, uh, Alien Blade or Mystical Blade. Awesome. So, <laughs> Caitlin will be proud. <laughs> so, totally awesome. And uh, so basically what this does is release Eclipso from uh, Deathstroke's body, which is pretty good. We need that. And Grifter, who has the Black Diamond, which... At this point, they made that black diamond look really big, but all of a sudden it fits in the palm of Grifter's hands. Maybe that was just me thinking that it was bigger than it was. or uh... <laughs> Either that or Essence is very small. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. Didn't even think about that. Uh, foreshortening. Um, and Grifter's able to get Eclipso back into the black diamond. So, pretty cool there. No, but even here. Okay, so you go to the next page, and Grifter has to use both hands to hold on to that sucker. Because <laughs> it's full of Eclipso now. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. So his heart grew three times that day. That's I, right. I got it. <laughs> i tell you what. I want a Team 7 ball cap like Amanda Waller has. That's what I want. Seriously. That, <laughs> you know, there's so many... Cheaply screened t-shirts that you can buy. Why can't you get a cool ball cap? Anyways, she's basically like, I'm never leaving anybody behind. I don't, you know, that's the end of that. Foreshadowing, maybe? Yeah, really. Um, Because it doesn't seem like she left anybody behind, so that was interesting. And here we have a small recap as we go to the, uh, jump over to the Team 7 headquarters in Washington, D.C., and basically, we're getting a report um, from Lynch, who, you know, some people were very, <laughs> very astute in thinking that he looked like somebody else. Um, but we're far below the surface, away from prying eyes. And basically, we're in one of the rooms, right? Aren't there a bunch of rooms? We're all, we're all the mystical and... Yeah, that's the black room. That's the black room, yeah. Which I thought was interesting that, that it's the headquarters for Team 7, because... I want to say it's the headquarters for Argus, maybe, in the future. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. But it's still in use, obviously, just not by Team 7. Does any, did anybody point out what the die was? Does anybody know who who owns that? or what uh, that from? No, nobody said anything, and I didn't really ask around. Okay. Anyways, um, basically Slade's here trying to heal up from his uh, possession by Eclipso. And um, <laughs> what's cool here is um, that the very last word of this page, and it's not the dot, 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 but this got me really excited because I didn't see anything about this in the solicits. And I know that they may have teased this a little bit in a couple issues, but I think we're really going to see it, and I'm stoked about this. But uh, one word, majestic. And that's yep. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Justin better not be playing with us. <laughs> oh, don't tease. We've had our hearts broken so many times. I was actually, when I did that stupid thing I did this week at the beginning of this episode, and I talked about Ravagers and how much of an idiot I am, um, I was also updating my subscription because they pull for me. And I said, hey, I didn't realize I didn't have Ravagers on my pull list. Can you please add it? And they were like, yeah, sure, we'll add that, no problem. And one of the clerks didn't really know me that well, and he was kind of looking through my list. So I was like, yeah, funny, isn't it? Everything on my list has been canceled, huh? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, such is the life of a Wildstorm fan. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. But apparently we're supposed to be looking towards 2014 now. We'll see. <laughs> Anyway, anything else you want to say about this awesome issue? Because, I mean, it, this was great. I, I think I already said my piece about this issue. <laughs> no, it really was great. You know, it, start, uh, it felt like Team 7 was starting off slow because we had the zero issue and the number one issue, and they felt very similar. 
But this arc, which was really only a three issue arc, was a great arc. It was a good way to start the start the show, man. I'm excited to see where they go from here. It's it, between this and the Ravagers, I was struggling to say which title won the best of the month. And between Grifter and Stormwatch, well, Grifter obviously <laughs> was going to lose, but Stormwatch <laughs> was nipping at its heels, and it shouldn't have been. But hey, can't say much else about that. Nah, Team Team Seven was definitely the the big one for me. In fact, I purposely read them like in that order because I was like, I'm going to do Grifter first for for you know just to get it out of the way, and then I'm like, okay, I'll do Ravagers next, and then I'll save Team Seven for last. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I saved it for last. <laughs> No doubt it was good, but what what did it for me was just Ravagers was so far off and different. I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing something different. That yeah, I was excited for it. But yeah, I, I will I think, say, oh, go ahead. No, I think you're right. I think Team Seven won the month. Now, just gonna say real quick, I was surprised by Jesus Marino's art in this issue. I was trying to see if it was a different colorist or inker, and I don't think so. But, or maybe just the fact he had more time to draw it, but his art was so much better here than it was in those early issues. So I just hope that continues. I mean, most of the people online did like this issue a lot, but their one complaint about Team 7 is that it doesn't really have a consistent artist. And, you know, people notice stuff like that. So You know what uh, I think last issue? The inking felt very heavy, almost muddy in a way. And I think this issue, it yeah. was cleaned up quite a bit. And mm-hmm. and you could tell you could see the lines a lot better and yeah it looked it looked pretty yeah um, just want to go over some of the other wildstorm sightings and tie-ins um, which I'm kind of glad are over <laughs> <laughs> me too As, uh, on the second of January we had Savage Hawkman number fifteen which I'm pretty sure was totally released out of order with the whole Hawkman wanted thing but whatever. But uh, we did have an appearance by Pike, and it was so funny because I basically just read through the the opening battle that Pike was involved in, and as soon as he was out, I stopped. I, I just looked <laughs> through the rest of the issue, and I was just like, I'm not even going to finish reading this crossover, so, you know, whatever. But <laughs> And same thing with Legion Lost number 16, which came out on the 16th as well. It's like, at that point, the Ravagers didn't need to be in it anymore. <laughs> no, nope, you know? not at all. And I just didn't get it and understand it it was just whatever and then it was just it was kind of like grifter and when it was like is this the end you know and like yes it is for now because <laughs> there's no more dc presents to throw all the canceled title characters in so <laughs> yes please stop the bleeding but uh at least we're gonna get grifter in uh was it team seven number f- uh no not five i think it's six where they split the issue part of it's in the past and parts in modern day so we will get some more modern-day grifter. Here in um, February, on uh, February the 6th, we have Stormwatch number 17, and we have the Young Romance, a new 52 Valentine's Day special number one coming out. And on the 13th, which is the day before Valentine's, we have Ravagers number nine and Team 7 number five. And then the extra title we have this month to check out is on the 27th, which is All Star Western number seventeen, which is supposed to have a Jenny Freedom uh, Stormwatch backup story. So that should be interesting. I need to remember to pick that up. Yeah, that would be cool. Why would um, anybody want to pick up the Young Romance? <laughs> oh, <laughs> because it has Midnighter and Apollo in there. <laughs> Forgot Make to it mention. <laughs> the way it read is that it kind of goes with what's happening in the issues. So I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> These specials are always just kind of like out there, you know, really all, all the writers can do is have fun with them, you know, which <laughs> Not really it sounds like they haven't been able to do any of that lately. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, remember that all these books are available digitally either through DC Comics website or comicsology.com. Day of date every Wednesday. And uh, <clears throat> I cut down our shout-outs here, Ben, because uh, it looks like Chris Stryker is not updating his Stormwatch page anymore. And I haven't asked him about it, but I assume it's just easy to been busy. Or maybe he's as discouraged about Stormwatch as we are. <laughs> <laughs> he read the last three issues and he was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well... 
I'll give it a go anyways. Some quick shout-outs. Remember to visit the Higher Authorities Message Board's Clark's Bar to continue the Wildstorm integration discussion amongst longtime Wildstorm fans at theauthority.ws. There's no www involved at all. Um, And there is some great discussion going on there, so check it out. Mm -hmm. We had a new member show up. Uh, His name is The Fallen. He came from the comic book resources, and uh, I had to help him register because Chris shut down the registration because of all the spam we were getting, so... But uh, but the Fallen did get some good discussions going, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So also check out our friends of the show, the Image Addiction Podcast, as they cover new releases from Image Comics, and the Savage Fin Cast, as they cover the Savage Dragon. Both can be found at www.imageaddiction.net. And get twice the Valiant coverage now with our friends of the show from Only the Valiant Podcast at onlythevaliant.com. And our friends over at culturalwormhole.com and their Valiant Future podcast. So that's pretty cool too. It's it's crazy that uh, Valiant was able to come back and do so well. I know that there's been some discussion that uh, everybody wishes that they were able to do Wildstorm that way instead of what has happened with the new 52. But hey, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just need to win the lottery and buy it away from DC. That's what everybody keeps saying. <laughs> Hey, you'd have to quit everything that you do and pour your entire soul to to make it happen. But hey, maybe it'd be worth it. <laughs> Apparently, that's what the two guys who run Valiant did. They were just two students who bought it at its lowest and built it up. So it's possible. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. Um, you can contact us. You can get a hold of Joe at twitter.com slash grifter78. You can look me up. I'm Yo-Yo Master 146 at the Wildstorm Resource Wiki. That's wildstormresource.wetpain.com. Uh, you can contact the show at twitter.com slash wildstormaddict or email us at wildstormaddiction at gmail.com. We have a Facebook fan page, a Google Plus page, and a new Google Plus community page, which is sort of like a board of some sort. So do a search on Wildstorm. Hopefully you'll find us. I will also link to it. Uh, We are also on Stitcher, so you can listen to us on your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and any other device that supports Stitcher. So find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. And also just wanted to let everybody know that uh, I'll be at Sci-Fi Expo on Saturday, February the 9th, which is in Irving, which is near Dallas. Uh, If anyone is going to attend, I'll be wearing a shirt for uh, Dinosaur Games, which is a company my friend started. Uh, We're promoting their upcoming game called Mech Knight. So I'll be holding possibly a giant sword that's a prop from the game (laughs) and uh, walking around handing out a little flyers for the game that you can download the trailer and uh also i'm supposed to be recording with valiant future podcast uh this week and it'll be episode three when it's released so that's going to be a lot of fun i finally get to discuss some valiant with these guys um because i don't know if if you followed any of it ben but if you if you're looking for good stuff (laughs) you need to be checking out the valiant stuff i mean that it is so solid <laughs> apparently since we're just, getting mediocre stuff here and there <laughs> <laughs> yeah the first trades are out for exo man of war and harbinger and uh and they're doing pretty good about releasing the next ones uh subsequently i think it's bloodshot then archer and armstrong and then shadow man um but um yeah just solid each one of them's different that's another good thing is that they're none of the titles are the same so I would, if you're really hurting from all this stuff and you just want something different, I would highly recommend trying at least the two trades that are out. So that's that's what I my escape has been uh, the Swamp Man and Animal Man trades, which the second Animal Man has just uh, hit my door this past week. So thank goodness. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, other than that, I guess that's it. So. Next month, we'll be down to three titles that we're reviewing. Hey, that's where we started, so no complaints. We'll we'll build back up. Hopefully. Come on, Jim Starlin. Build up Stormwatch. <laughs> Please. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, guys. That's it, Mom.
Am I wrong? And you can honestly, everybody that listens to this and the people on the boards, you can hate me for this. But to me, I've always liked Grifter because he reminds me a lot of um, um, over on the X-Men. Sorry, I am coming to a complete gambit. Sorry. <laughs> gambit? Huh? Yeah, That's interesting. <laughs> to me, he reminds me a little bit of Gambit where he just pulls shit out of his ass and it happens to work out in the end. But hate me if you want for even categorizing them in the same species, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I used to like Gambit back in the day, so. (laughs) Anywho, 